Father, we are thankful for your um, unfailing love. We, th- we are most deeply grateful for uh, the sacrifice of your son, Jesus Christ. And uh, because of that sacrifice, we can come, gather, we can worship, we can sing to you, pray to you. Um, but we also can sit at your feet and listen to what you have to say. So we ask that as we crack open your word this morning, that you would speak to us, make it clear, make it um, um, Allow it to just grab a hold of us, Lord, and, and, ch- and not let go to what changed. And we ask that you would do that work in us this morning. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning. Um, I want to start, start this morning with a question. We're on our third uh, message on the topic of prayer, and I just want to throw out a question. Uh, does God listen to prayer? Does God listen to prayer? Okay, we got, so we got some amens on that, right? <laughs> Maybe some of us are not so sure. I don't know. Okay. Does God listen and respond to the prayer of just one person? What if it's just one person? Yes? Would two or three people make it more so? Would he listen more to the prayer of two or three than if it were just the one? I mean, if he's going to listen to the one... We already established God would listen to the prayer of one. Right? James said, like, <laughs> Elijah was a man just like us, and the, the prayer of a righteous man availeth much. One, one guy by himself. But what if it's two or three guys? Does he listen more? What if it's 20? So maybe there's grades of how much God will listen. Do, do you see what I'm, what I'm getting at? I mean, if I go in my prayer closet by myself... I can take a lot on my back. I can pray for my kids. I can pray for my family. Is there something different if it's me and two of my Christian brothers praying over that? Is there something more powerful? Or is there something more powerful still if an entire church is coming together and praying over that? I mean, he can answer the single prayer. In fact, you remember that episode when Elijah was on Mount Carmel? And he said, let's do a challenge. (laughs) And he told all the prophets of Baal, he said, you, you, you call on your God and see if he can light this sacrifice on fire. And then I'll call on my God and see if he can light it on fire. And they start praying all day and all night from morning till sunset. And they're praying. And, and then what does Elijah do? He goes out there and makes fun of them, right? He goes, why don't you try crying louder? Maybe he can't hear you. Maybe he went to the bathroom. I mean, he... I just read it this morning just to refresh my memory and I'm cracking up. Maybe he went to relieve himself, he said. Maybe he's not listening. And so they continue to cry and wail and yell. And then Elijah comes and goes, Lord, do your thing. (laughs) One prayer, one man. Against an entire community of prayers. Almost like that passage is saying, it only takes one prayer. It only takes one, one person to pray. Uh, maybe some of us think of when, when Jesus told his disciples, hey, where two or three of you gather in my name, there I am with them. Is Jesus saying that when one person gathers in his name, Jesus is not there with him? Well, no, that's not what he's saying, because when you read the context of that passage, we, we pluck it out and we apply it to prayer all the time, but not really. When you read Matthew 18, that's the famous passage if, if a person offends someone else, and then you go, hey, you offended me, and that person doesn't listen, then you bring two or three witnesses... Right? You bring two or three witnesses, and then that person doesn't listen to two or three witnesses and is still unrepentant. Then you take it to the church, and that person still is unrepentant in front of the church. 
Then treat him like a pagan or a tax collector. In other words, this person is not a brother. This person is not a sister. Unrepentant when he keeps getting called out on sin and he's still not repentant. And those are difficult situations, right? That's tough. And the disciples are going, man, is this how we have to run church? Telling people who's out and telling people who's in? Telling people, yes, you are, you are together with us. You're bound together with us. New, you, we have to set you loose, my friend, because you are not a brother. That's how church is going to be? And immediately right there, Jesus said, listen to me, listen to me. When two or three of you gather together and you bind something in my name, it's bound in heaven. When you loose it in my name, it's loosed in heaven. You guys have an authority. It's a special authority so that what's done in heaven is done on earth because I'm giving you this authority. So what you decide and what you say goes, that's what God wants to go. Right? That doesn't mean that the disciples were to be little gods, but that they were to be God's representation on the earth. So when difficult situations in the church came like that, one disciple wouldn't be kicking people out of church and telling people who's Christian. But when there was difficult situations, two or three can gather and pray about it. God, we're asking you for wisdom. Can you tell us what we should bind, what we should lose, who should be treated like a pagan or a tax collector, who should be called a brother or sister? Yes, when you gather in my name, I will do that for you. So it is about prayer, but it's very specifically about church authority. So he's not saying when two or three gather, I'll listen. And when one person gathers, I won't listen. That's not what he's saying. But still, when you read through Acts, right, the church was praying for Peter. And Peter was able to escape. The church was praying. The Old Testament, if my people call, if my people gather and call on my name, it's not enough for just the king or just the prophet. But if the people come, if the people come, then I'll listen. There, is there something to the multiple, the, the, the multiple, uh, gathering of, of people that is more powerful and it's it's kind of difficult it's difficult for me i don't know if you're just like man pastor i thought you were more educated than this or something but it is for me because there's power in the one person's prayer so it doesn't matter if more people gather is god going i'm not listening to you unless you get three or four more people or three or four people come and he's like i'm not going to listen until it's 20 and then 20 come and they're like well that's a 20 prayer but what you're asking me, that's a 50-person prayer. So you're going to have to coordinate with somebody else and make sure 50. Do you see what I'm saying? At what point does it make that God will listen more if there's more of us? I'm thinking of the, the game Tug of War. You know, you, you, you have this rope and there's a little flag in the middle. And you want as many people as you can on your side to tug and make sure that that line crosses. Is that prayer? Is prayer like a rope from heaven and there's a line right around, you know, the stratosphere somewhere and you're just pulling this rope and if there's, you get enough Christians, enough brothers and sisters, let's get the kids in here, let's have Elias pray, you know, and just pull this rope as hard as you can and if, that, if you get enough people, you can get that flag to drop below the line and then God answers. That, that doesn't sound right. But it also doesn't sound right to say, well, it doesn't matter who shows up to prayer meeting. It can just be one person and that's enough. Somehow that doesn't exactly resonate either. It's difficult. There's one passage I think clears it up a little bit. It's a, it's a one pat. And when you're reading through the book of 2 Corinthians, it's easy to just pass this up. You know, because it's not the main topic. But in the beginning of the, of the second the letter to the Corinthians, if you go there now, 2 Corinthians, New Testament, uh, several books from the back. If you get to Galatians, it's too far. It's after Romans, 1 Corinthians, and then 
We're in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Now, as is common here, I really want you to, to be in that passage because it's, it's kind of tricky and the wording is very important. Okay, So I want to make sure you have a Bible. If you don't have one, there's ones in the pew in front of you. And pluck that and get to 2 Corinthians. All right, show of hands that we're there. 2 Corinthians. All right, awesome. 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 11. He says, this is Paul pleading with the Corinthian church. You also must help us by prayer so that many will give thanks on our behalf for the blessing granted us through the prayers of many. So go ahead just one more time. You also, you the Corinthians, must help us. By us he means himself, Paul. You also must help us by prayer so that many will give thanks on our behalf for the blessing granted us through the prayers of many. So it's, it's oddly worded. I had to read this about 30 times. And I'm trying to figure out the logic of what Paul is saying. You ever read a sentence? I don't know. <laughs> maybe it's just a pastor thing. You know, you're, like, you're just reading the Bible and you're reading a verse. And you just can't get it until you close your eyes and think of like a diagram or something. I found that it makes sense. You start to see it, for me, when you look at it backwards. If you look at it backwards, he starts with, through the prayers of many. See that last phrase? Oh, this is important. Through the prayers of many, and that's our question, right? What gets accomplished through the prayers of many versus the prayers of just one? What's getting accomplished through the prayers of a bunch of people versus the prayers of a single person? So we're starting with that. Through the prayers of many, what happened? Back up another phrase. The blessing is granted. Okay? Through the prayers of many... This blessing is granted. He's not saying that the blessing couldn't be granted through the prayer of one. What is he saying? He's saying through the prayers of many, when this blessing is granted, then what happens? Many will give thanks. That's the result. And that's why it's a hard sentence to read, because he's starting with the result and then continuing and going back to how it started. When you read it backwards, you go, oh, it starts with the prayer of many. After many people pray, God grants this blessing on Paul. That was the prayer request, right? Many gathered and asked for a request. The request was granted, and the result is that many give thanks. Okay, so imagine I'm Paul, you're the Corinthian congregation. And I'm saying, guys, I need all of you, all of you to pray for me for this thing. Why? Why, Lucas? Why do you want all of us to pray? Why is it not enough that just the elders pray? Why is it not enough that just the, the, the two or three ladies of the church, the old ladies, that they just pray and they're just gifted with it? How come it just can't be them that pray? Why the many? Why the whole Corinthian church? Now, you remember, if you, if you read First and Second Corinthians, is this a church that we all want to aspire to be? It's a messed up church. They got people sleeping around. <laughs> Dude is sleeping with his stepmom and everyone's proud of it. They brought him up in front of the stage and they're like, this guy is, this guy is sleeping with his step." Can you think of a church so dysfunctional that, that, that they're praising and adulating this guy for sleeping with his stepmom? I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy. And this is the kind of things that Paul has to rebuke in this church. But he's still banking on them to pray. Why not just the spiritual ones? How come not just the, the deacons? The many together. Now, I'm Paul and you're the Corinthians, and I'm saying I want all of you to gather and pray for a blessing upon me. 
as I'm doing my ministry, as I'm trying to escape execution, as I'm trying to bring the gospel of people, as I'm trying to make my rounds to do, finish my missions trip, my missions journey, I need you all to pray for me so that, and there's the result right there, verse 11, you also must help us in prayer so that many will give thanks. That's the result. Why does he want many to pray? So that when the blessing happens, many will give thanks. And therefore, the goal of all of it is not the prayer meeting. That's the means. The goal is thanks. The goal is thanksgiving. The goal is giving gratitude to God. That's what Paul wants from them. God wants, God wants them to give thanks to himself. God, God wants thanks. He wants gratitude. He wants praise. Right? And it's not narcissistic of God to do that. He's, he's, not, he's not a selfish brat for wanting praise. Now, if I did that, I would be, I would be what they say, narcissistic, right? They, like a self-centered, cocky, arrogant person if all I ever wanted was praise all the time from, from people. But God wanting praise, he's not. In fact, I looked up the word narcissism. I just looked up the word. We throw that around sometimes. It means inordinate fascination with oneself. You know, so you got the guy, your co-worker, and he's always talking about himself. He's just very fascinated with himself. And it's okay to be a little bit fascinated with himself. It's okay to be like, wow, I'm, I'm pretty good at that. That's cool. But if you say it twice, and you start walking around and telling everybody how good you are at that, it's inordinate or excessive fascination with oneself. The other definition is excessive self-love. It's almost like the dictionary saying, there's self-love that's normal, but you're narcissistic if you have excessive self-love. Now, God cannot be narcissistic because God's self-love can never be excessive. He's awesome. There's nothing wrong with Him. He is perfect. He is holy. He is, he is how we understand love. He is love. God can never have an inordinate fascination with Himself because it can never be inordinate. No matter how fascinated He is with Himself, He can never be above the bar where it should be. You can never say, God, you're thinking a little bit too highly of yourself. It's impossible for God to think too highly of himself because he's infinite and he's eternal and he's infinitely awesome. Right? The magnitude of his greatness is unfathomable. We can't put a bar on it. Now, I can be inordinately fascinated with myself because that bar is easy. You know, like, oh, I'm pretty good. Hey, that's pretty good. I'm really okay. Back down to the bar, Lucas. You know? But with God, that, that can never be possible. So... To say that God desires thanks, that God demands praise, that God wants worship, that's not, well, I thought we served a selfless God. He selflessly gave of His Son to, to sacrifice for us, but He can never get enough worship. And it's right and it's good for Him to desire it, right? And that, that's what this is about. You know, hopefully this week our focus won't just be on the things that we get and the things that we have, and it's good to be grateful for the things that we have. But you know, I was thinking this week, a lot of people celebrate Thanksgiving. Christians, non-Christians, atheists, they'll celebrate it and they get around and they're thankful for what they have. But then I'm, I'm thinking, they're missing who they're thankful to. I mean, it's great that they're thankful for the what, but they're not thankful for the who. And, and Thanksgiving really should be about the who. It's you, we're thankful to you for these blessings. And when you receive blessings, it prompts a thanks in you. And when God answers a prayer request, it's because He desires to see that thankfulness in your heart. He wants that thanks. 
And that's why he answers prayers. And so what Paul is saying is, I want many to gather, not because many can tug the rope harder, not because many is a louder voice and God can't hear it if it's just two people, but if it's 200 people, then God suddenly can hear it. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, if God answers the prayer of 500 desperate, passionate people, then he knows that when he answers that prayer, he's going to get 500 profoundly grateful people offering worship and praise and now their prayer lives are enhanced and God is receiving more of the incense of prayer because the many prayed. Right? So it's not a seesaw and if enough of us can gather on one side of the seesaw, it goes and then we get the answer. That's not the effect. The effect is that the more of us that pray, when when the request is answered, there's more of us that are grateful now. Does that... Does that make sense? It was a light bulb coming on for me. You know, when I, was, when I found this passage and I found this verse and I'm reading and I'm like, ah, I get it. I get it. It's not that it takes more people to convince God. It's not that it takes more people to shout loud enough, guys. You know, we're not going to have a prayer meeting on Friday and I'm going to say, well, I might ask us to pray with some more verve. I'll just be candid with you. I mean, sometimes we pray a little bit like too sheepish or something and I might try to but I'm not going to try to drum let's be loud guys let's just bang the drums and God hear us hear us because that's not how God operates he's not hard of hearing the many is not important because we need to try to pull that rope the many is important because God knows when he answers that's many praise that's many thanks that's many uh, people that are in a deep appreciation of him and what he does. There's more glory to himself. And it's good and right that he gets glory to himself. So it's important that many gather. Because the result of it will be more praise. The result of it will be more worship. And God always wants more praise. God always wants more worship. And I, need, I need you guys to notice something, okay? This doesn't work by just gathering a bunch of warm bodies into the pews to pray. It doesn't work. God is not just doing a head count. Let me see, 30, oh, 40, you know. It's not enough to just have warm bodies to come pray. Because that's not what produces gratitude. Desperation produces gratitude. Somebody might receive this this week and be much more grateful for this signature decaf with a guy worshiping the cup on the front, okay? All right? Oh, that's Wolfgang, cool. All right? Someone might be more grateful for this than maybe some of us will be for the entire table of turkey and stuffing and cranberry and whatever. An entire buffet of food. Someone could be more grateful for that than I am for this whole table. Why? 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 I have more. Why, why, how can somebody be more grateful? Easy. They've got nothing. I can have turkey anytime I want. It doesn't have to be Thanksgiving for me to get turkey, but it has to be Thanksgiving for some people to get blessed sometimes. And so therefore, their desperate situation causes them to be more thankful when they're blessed than the person who's not desperate and then gets blessed and is like, hey, thanks, God. Right? Isn't that how it works? It's always like that. With your kids... If you give them a candy, every time they smile, every time they look at you, it's a lollipop, 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 right? But no, they're not allowed candy, except for special situations, or when they do something extra good, or something special, and then you give them the lollipop, and they unwrap it, and their eyes are aglow, and, and, and they, oh, and it's just like they're savoring this lollipop, because they know it's so special. They were desperate for it. You could think of, um, you know, um, 
when I look at the, the landscape of, of churches, and my experience, uh, when you go into the inner city, and you walk into a sanctuary, and these people are worshiping, you got people dancing, you've got people throwing their hands up, you've got tears running, you've got tears running, sometimes the, 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 worship, sometimes the worship leaders got, hey, let's just do another one, man, because they're still going, you know? And then when you go into more suburban churches, it's a little more, you know, why? Are they, do they understand something that we don't understand? Do they know something we don't know? Or is it just, well, that's just how inner city people are. And I'm not talking about ethnicity. I'm talking about same ethnicity group, but one is inner city and one is suburban. I, I think the difference is one is desperate. I don't have money. I don't have a job. My, my marriage is a wreck. I don't know how I'm going to feed my kids. Oh, God, I need you. God, see, but, but if you live a comfortable life, it's harder to press after God. Remember the woman that was pressing through the crowds to just touch. If I just touch the hem of Jesus. She wasn't just praying for you know, her aunt who had stubbed her toe. She had this hemorrhaging problem for over a decade. And she's like, there's no doctors that can answer it. There's no people that can fix it. If I can just touch the hem. And she's pushing with her ailment. And she's pushing through the crowds and, and just trying to get a hold of his garment. Right? That's desperation, guys. That's I need you. And the, the result... When the, when the answer is given, that's you, or the lame man, the lame beggar, 40 years, and then Peter heals him. And then what's he do? He gets up and dusts himself off and is like, cool, guys, thanks. He started jumping and leaping for joy. How does he know how to jump? He's never jumped. You know, he's never leapt. He doesn't know how to leap. He doesn't know how to dance. He probably looked like a big fool. He was right there in the public gate. And he's up and he's dancing, and, and maybe Peter's a little, you know, like... <laughs> Calm down, man, you know. But he's, he's jumping and leaping. Why? Because I was so desperate. I had nothing. I was down. I was lame. I couldn't walk. I just begged for just change from people. And I could hopefully use that change to just buy something and to get something. I, I can't make it to the supermarket. I can't beat the lions when they're, when they're moving into a place. I need to be moved from place to place. And I just sit here in the hot sun begging all day and then healing. Now look at this verse again. What's Paul's prayer request? Is he saying, guys, let's just pray and have a prayer meeting? No, listen. Start at verse 8. For we do not want you to be ignorant, brothers, of the affliction, right? The persecution, physical persecution that we experienced in Asia. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death. In other words, he, <laughs> he's ministering in a context where he's beaten for what he's saying. And he got beaten so badly in Asia that he thought he was going to die. I mean, he, he thought this was it. And then he says, but that was to make us do what? What was the purpose of that affliction? What was the purpose of that suffering? What was the purpose of that hardship? What was the purpose of that being so difficult? The purpose was so that we wouldn't rely on ourselves, but on God, who raises even the dead. In other words, even if I did die, He could have raised me. And He's the only one I could depend on in that situation. So the purpose of the suffering was to make me rely on Him. The purpose of the suffering was to make me desperate for Him. 
Verse 10, he delivered us from such a deadly peril and he will deliver us. On him we have set our hope that he will deliver us again. And then verse 11, I need you to pray. You need to help us in your prayer. Now interesting, if it was enough for just one person to pray, why would he ask for their help? Why would he recruit the help from the Corinthians? They're not especially spiritual. He could have asked the Ephesians for help or something. But, but you know, but, or the Galatians, they just had theological confusion. But they, they weren't you know, sleeping around and having all this immorality in the church. No, he asked the Corinthian church to help him in prayer. Why? So that the result would be many thanks. But church, they would not be thankful if they didn't share his desperation. Right? Because you're not that thankful if you weren't that grateful when you asked. If you ask with a, mm, and then you get the blessing, your thanks is, mm. But if you ask with a desperation, like a plea, and you're joining Paul, the church is joining Paul in the desperation. Oh my goodness, he was beaten. He almost died. We need to lift this brother up because he's going to die. They're beating him. And Lord, don't let them beat him. Allow him, give him the mouth to speak. Give him boldness so he doesn't stop because of all the persecution. Allow him to live through it and, and preach another day because he's doing, he's doing an awesome work for you, God. Please, sustain him. Fill him with your spirit. Use him. And see, when they pray like that, and then God delivers him again and again and again as a response to their prayers, then they come to church the next morning the next gathering. And when they worship and they sing Mighty to Save or some such song, you know, their ancient version of it, it's not just Mighty to Save, it's Mighty to Save. And you're thinking of what God is doing and he's, He is Mighty to Save. You know, that it transforms your worship. That's what God wants. That's what God wants. And so many people praying makes a difference because the result is many thanks. And God wants many things. God wants a lot of gratitude. God wants much worship. He doesn't want just a few people worshiping. He wants many to worship and to gather and to praise His name. That's His desire. And so one way to know, to have an idea, is, is God going to answer my prayer request? Is God going to answer my prayer? One way to gauge it is to ask yourself, how desperate am I for it? You know, if God were to give me the answer to my prayer request... How thankful would I be for it? And it's kind of hard to tell. It's kind of hard to tell how we'll respond when we give. If somebody gave you a million dollars, how would you act? You might think you know how you act, but until you got that million dollars, you don't know if you jump up on the table, immediately go into your boss's office and, and tell him off and say all that you've always wanted to say and then take your million dollars and run. Or you don't know, you, you know, we don't know how we'd react, but you can get an idea. You can get an idea, how would I respond? And the idea that you get, the way you gauge it is, how desperate am I for it? How desperate am I for this answer? The higher your desperation, the deeper your passion for the prayer, the deeper your gratitude after. And so what Paul is saying is, I need you to join me. Help me in this desperate push for God's answer to deliver me so that when it happens, many will give thanks. And so... There it is. Prayer leads to blessing. When we get the blessing, blessing leads to thanks. And that's good. Now, just with the few minutes that we have left, um, when I read this text, 
I just see, like, man, Paul is going through stuff that I can't imagine. I, I can't imagine that level of desperation. I mean, I can't, you know, because if I talk to people about Christ, they might ignore me. They might not want to hang out with me anymore, but I don't get beat up, you know. But, but I do have, I do share something with Paul, and I know you do with me, that um, it's not enough to just want to have church. You know, like, I love, I love church, and I love Christian Fellowship Church, and I love the fellowship that we have. And in my flesh, it's very easy to kind of turn off the switch of the desperate passion to see more people enjoy this blessing. And just, let's just keep it us. You know, let's just keep it manageable. And we know each other. And I'm not a big extrovert, you know. It's easy to stand here and preach but because the, there's no dialogue, you know. But in a context of mingling and people, I mean, that's not easy for me. I'm not an evangelist. But I can't escape this, this deep-dyed desire to see this church be more, even though it would make it more difficult, you know, <laughs> even though more people is, is more headaches sometimes, you know, just managing it and figuring it out. And, and there's more church discipline that needs to happen. There's more problems. There's more prayer requests. But I can't escape this, this idea that we, we want this church to be more. We want, we want to reach more people. We want to not just keep this to ourselves, but but like we saying, you know, shine your light and let the whole world see. You know, we want other people to see this and join us. Join us in our praise. Join us in our thanks. And because of that, when we gather to pray, I want to see more. You know, I want to see many gather to pray. I don't want us to just come and sit and listen. And does God listen to prayers? And yes, amen, amen. But, and then when we gather to pray, there's less. I, I, I want to see more. But I don't want to see more warm bodies Right. To just say, I'm here and and just be there. And I got to tell you, I've I've done that at prayer meetings before. I've fallen asleep and I don't know how many prayer meetings. I'm just this is confession time. Okay, I'm not the world's, you know, greatest prayer. I wouldn't say that's my spiritual gift. I'd rank it low, you know, to be frank. But it's just I can't escape this thought that if we're not prayerful, God kind of does this a little bit. You know, he kind of backs off. He would do things, but but we're not asking or we're asking with the wrong motives or maybe it's not the many. Not to convince him, but if he goes, well, if I answer this, maybe two or three people would be praising me and, and thankful and desperately thankful. But maybe four or five people would just be okay with it. And maybe five or six people would just be annoyed that more people are coming. And maybe two or three people wouldn't even, couldn't even tell the difference that the prayers even happened. But if God looks down at Christian Fellowship Church and goes, look, many are praying. And if I answer this request, many will praise. Many will offer thanks. And not just like a ho-hum thanks, but like a desperate thanks that matches the desperate request. And so I think we need two things that every church needs. This isn't specific to Christian Fellowship Church. I'll take this sermon and take it anywhere. But what every church needs is a desperation for the things that break the heart of God. Lost people, lost souls, people that are de-churched because they went to church and they were little and the, the preacher, all he talked about was hell and it just, uh, and then they walked away. Or all the preacher talked about was fluffy stuff and they just never got the need for the cross and so they walked away. Or they were allured by college life and they walked away and then they just never came back. You know, I just feel like that defines our community a lot. You talk to people about Jesus, they're not like, what, who? 
They're just going to go, ah, yeah, but the Bible's not literal. You know, the stuff about hell and the stuff about lost people and the stuff about, you know, blah, blah, blah. They've, they've moved away from it. And it, I think it breaks the heart of God. You know, he, he looks at this community and he sees that there needs to be more. More people need to come. And he looks at the church and he wants to see it full, full of people that would give thanks. He wants many thanks. But I think it's going to take a praying church. Right? It's going to take a church that's, that's prayerful, extra prayerful, you know. And so once we start getting that desire, that passion, that, that, um, that desperation for God to move, for God to do something awesome. Once we start building that desire, that's, that's what's going to motivate and prompt our prayers. That's the fuel in the engine of prayer. Sometimes we try to pray, and I know myself, I try to pray by just revving the engine, and there, there's no fuel in it, you know? So it's sputtering, it's, you know? And I'm trying, how come I'm not praying? How come I'm not praying? I'm not desperate enough. But when I'm desperate, I'll clear a schedule. I'll, I'll turn off my cell phone and just, God, help, help, me, help me in this situation. When I'm desperate, I pray. And so I think the key is the desperation that Paul was building into the Corinthians. I want the many of you to pray by joining me in what I'm praying for, this desperate situation. Second, I think we want many. I think we want many. I don't want two or three gathering in my name. That's, that's Matthew 18, and that has to do with church authority. I want 20 or 30. I want 40 or 50. I want as many as we can get. Not because more people pull harder on God's ear, but because God knows when he gives the answer, this is, look God, look at the people that are going to praise you in response. Not three or four, not two or three, 20 or 30 that praise you in response to what you're doing and answering these requests. Some of you are bearing burdens by yourself. You're not plugged into a growth group. You're not plugged into a growth group. And so you, where are your prayer requests going? Maybe you fill out the back of a card and you know that people somewhere out there in CFC is praying for you. But you've not experienced the laying on of hands. You've not been anointed with oil. The elders have not gathered around you and prayed for this and gone in intercession with you. And the other missed opportunity is that if you get the answer to your prayer request, so many people could have been so thankful and grateful for that, but they weren't invited to come in and join you in that. And so Paul, just like Paul saying, I, he's Paul, you know, and he said, I need you to help me. I need you to help me, the many of you, to help me pray. And so not only will we pray for the community, but we'll gather in special requests, things that are, that are outstanding requests. Someone's sick or in the hospital, you, you're, you, know, you lost your job, or something happened, we can gather and we can pray. Now here are the venues that we have at Christian Fellowship Church for that kind of prayer. We have our growth groups. Growth groups should be that place where you have the most kind of intimate details about things. You know, it's just the three or four that you're sharing with and you're asking them, or up to ten, it depends on the group, you know. Uh, you're sharing these requests and you're saying, I need you guys to pray for me with this. And you can divulge some information. Maybe you don't want the whole church, but this is your growth group and you meet regularly and you can trust them and say, you know what, this doesn't go beyond the room, but I want you to pray for me on this particular thing. And as comfortable as you feel with the request, you can get as detailed as you need to get and they can pray along those details. But you're sharing details so that you can build desperation in them with you. You see? So they can help you. So they can help you in that desperation. And when the answer is given, the whole growth group is thankful. And so growth groups is a weekly event. You guys see it in the bulletin. You can come Wednesday. You can come Sunday after church. You know, you drive from real far. Your work schedule is crazy. 
grab some lunch after church, and then bang, we have growth group here. Uh, we have Thursday morning. We have... Um, you moved yours. Um, Tuesday. Okay, Tuesday. So the, the point is we, we have it in different spots, so if it could accommodate your schedule. That's the first one, and that's weekly. Uh, and small group leaders, I encourage you to leave some time. Leave some time for prayer time. Even if you have to lop off a question or two. Let's not worship the questions, but let's have time uh, for prayer. The other avenue is weekly as well, which is our pre-service prayer. Um, long ago, it's been instilled in me to pray before the service. Uh, a couple churches ago, the past couple churches, you know, we would pray before the service. And I just think that's awesome. You know, I just don't want to come in and just do a drive-through worship. I just don't want to come in and just... Give me what you got, God, and, and then leave. I, I want to come and I want to pray. God, I'm, you know, for me, I'm going to preach. For some of you, I'm going to hand out bulletins. Or I'm going to pass the offering plate. Or I'm going to play. Or I'm going to sit here and I'm going to receive from you. But my heart's not ready to receive from you. We just argued on the way over here. The kids got different matched socks. And I'm, I'm, you know, I'm stressed and I'm anxious. God, I want to come and just prepare me. Prepare me to worship you. And so 15 minutes on Sunday mornings from 9.30 to 9.45, we gather right here and we pray. And we just, and me and the elders, we want to ask you, help us. Help us pray. Help us pray so that when God answers, the many give thanks, not the few. So we have our growth groups, we have pre-service prayer, and then we have our first Friday of every month, our prayer gathering. One hour. One hour. I come from a tradition where my, my mom, you know, especially the, the uh, Hispanic Pentecostal church, they, they would pray through the night. They would have prayer vigils and just pray all night. And all of them would show up. And they would just pray all night. What are they doing at 10 o'clock? Same thing they were doing at 9. The same thing they'll be doing at midnight. The same thing they'll be doing at 2 in the morning. They're praying, you know. And I remember as a kid going like, you guys are crazy. That's just crazy. I can't. Let's just start here. One hour once a month. That means all year, we just did 12 hours. If you showed up to everyone, the 12 hours, what my mom's church might have done in a night, you know, we're going to do in a year. And that's okay. God is not wanting. Now I want three hours and four hours. Let's all gather. We pray for an hour. And then we go home and say, you know what? We took it to God. And the many of us took it to God. You may not be able to show up at everyone, but I encourage you to go home and start looking at the first Fridays of every month and try to cross them off and protect that one hour time. 7 o'clock to 8 o'clock. Sometimes we go to 8.30 if it's, you know, but we're not going to be mad at you if you leave at 8, okay? But, but one hour, 7 o'clock to 8 o'clock, first Friday of every month, come. You don't have to be a super Christian. Read the book of Corinthians. These people, <laughs> they like barely just knew Christ and they're still trying to clean up their messy lives. You don't have to come and even pray out loud if you're not there yet. But to come and listen. On Sunday mornings, I have my kids sit here. And Elias is very comfortable to pray out loud. Okay, that's great. Maybe he's got the gift of prayer working in him. I don't know. Raquel's not ready yet. I said, I don't, you don't need to pray out loud. I want you to come and listen. I want you to come and learn. I want you to join us. You can still help us by affirming that prayer in your heart. And Yes, God, I agree with that. Yes, I want that to happen. So I encourage you, bring your kids. You know, at what age do we start teaching them prayer? 18? 20? And we also have to be examples. We need to show up. And say, guys, I don't just believe prayer on paper. If I were taking a Christian quiz, is prayer important? I wouldn't just check yes in the box, but then not in real life. You see what I'm saying? And a lot of times when kids walk away from the Lord, it's because we come to church and talk about stuff, and then all throughout the week, they don't see it. So we want to show them how it matches. 
What we're saying is important and what we do in real life, they're the same, guys. They're the same. And we want to impress that into the children. Bring them to prayer meeting. It's one hour, right? And we pray. The many pray. God gives the blessing. The many give thanks. And that's the, that's the, that's the importance, not just of this week, but the Christian life is defined by thankfulness. Amen? Amen. All right, I want to ask the worship team to come up. And uh, let's, with gratitude, uh, close our service with worship, and then I'll come back up and, and I'll say a special prayer over us and ask that the Lord would um, encourage us to pray much. Uh, let's worship together. Stand up.